Welcome back. It is the Sunday Puncher Podcast. It is Sunday evening. We are 24 hours, uh, maybe a little less than 24 hours removed from Deontay Wilder's rematch with Tyson Fury. And before we get into what happened, before we get into what it all means, what what's going to play out, who's doing what, what happened, how did this happen, I think Tom... Fred, what we first need to do is we need to look at the last 12 months of the heavyweight division because for a decade, we had to hear and endure as boxing fans, people say the heavyweight division is dead. People who said, oh, the heavyweight division isn't as fun. Nobody likes Vladimir Klitschko. Nobody wants to see a dominant champion. And in the last 12 months, we saw... The rematch between Wilder and Fury, which was set to take place, fall apart. Fury goes, he signs his deal with Top Rank, and well, mostly with ESPN, but with Top Rank and ESPN. Anthony Joshua, supposed to fight Jarrell Miller, making his big... It was Rollins, because Rollins just sent me a New York Times link. <laughs> um, so, while... or Sorry, Anthony Joshua, supposed to make his U.S. debut... Facing Jarrell Miller, that falls apart. Jarrell Miller tests positive for all kinds of performance-enhancing drugs. Andy Ruiz steps in. Andy Ruiz upsets Anthony Joshua. Really, in a way that made Anthony Joshua just completely look like a jabroni. Fury goes this past September. Fights Otto Whalen. And any other fighter very likely gets stopped from that brutal cut that he suffered. Has a tough fight. Everyone doubts. Ooh, Fury doesn't look so good. Deontay Wilder in November fights Luis Ortiz. Wilder loses every second of that fight, basically. One punch changes everything. And that brings brings us to Saudi Arabia. Anthony Joshua rematches Andy Ruiz. Turns in a clinical performance. Outboxed Andy Ruiz. But made a lot of enemies in the process in which... He chose to fight in a way that was eerily reminiscent to the days of Vladimir Klitschko that everyone hated. And that brings us to Saturday. Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, the rematch. We had advertisements on the Super Bowl. We had this huge marketing push. The fight was far bigger than anyone could have ever predicted. Certainly, we were wrong in our projections of it. Looks like it's going to do massive business. You guys were. You, no, you never projected anything close to what it's going to be. This is oh for the sales. No, the sales are all fucking hoodwinked. Probably didn't break over two hundred grand. But They're now we lie. see that's how people do. They go, no, those numbers are lies. We'll be like Rick Glazer. Oh well, I mean, we could do Say, that. No, 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 no. I inside info said it only did a hundred. Well, plus. well, let's. I'm not going to do none of that. But we'll mock people a little bit later. Uh, let me at least get out of the intro. So, Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, the consensus was, well, you know, Fury's going to, he said a lot of things, but he's probably just going to outbox him and be safe. And he's going to do what Fury does, and which is be a masterful boxer. Use that unique skill set, that those unique physical attributes in his six foot nine frame and execute it to perfection. And then there was those that said, Deontay Wilder, going to do what Deontay Wilder does, land the right hand, dust his hands off, and leave with the title. 
and very likely we wind up with our trilogy. Well, this brings us to last night. In the third round, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, third round, Tyson Fury hits Deontay Wilder a bit behind the head. Wilder's equilibrium looks to be completely thrown off. Wilder can't really, has no legs, therefore no right hand. Fury takes advantage. Fury forces the corner to stop the fight. Did anyone see this playing out like this? <laughs> I mean, well, hold on. Before, Anything we just need to, I mean, heavyweight division, round of applause. The heavyweight division has delivered like no other division has uh, in the past 12 months. Like, you can take these last 12 months of the heavyweight division compared to any division in boxing over the past decade, and you cannot tell me a better year. Just the ebbs and the flows, the changes in momentum. Every guy at this point of the big three look like they were the guy in the past 12 months. And every guy also in the last 12 months looked like it wasn't theirs. So, Tom, how you doing? I'm hanging in there. Uh, you're not wrong with that intro, though. This has been uh, an amazing sequence of fights at heavyweight. And notice, we didn't bring up any networks. We didn't bring up any promoters. You know why? Because it just didn't matter. It just did not matter. This last 12 months was great. You look at the fights that we actually got, not the fights that you pretend that need to happen, but just look at the fights that we got. I can't ask for anything more. I really, really cannot. I can't. And this speaks to why the heavyweight division has the hold over it. Fred, you said this last night, and it's something you say pretty frequently, which is like the lighter weight classes don't frequently have this drama because you don't get fights where there's a 40-pound discrepancy between two dudes. Yeah, because they're all bitches. You get two heavyweights where both guys could equally hurt each other, even the guys that don't punch very well. Well, you know, when you get hit pretty hard by a 250-pound guy, you got to go. And Your man size. The the last 12 months showed the volatility of the heavyweight division because truly anything can happen. And very few divisions in boxing, probably none at least compared to the heavyweight division, have this sort of volatility where things can change so rapidly. I mean, even 154 where there's been this like hot potatoing of titles, it hasn't been like this. So anyway, Tom, you want to you wanna go back to your personal feelings? <laughs> uh just the the personal feelings on the fight yeah uh well look i'll eat whatever crow i need to i i always i'll just say like i always get frustrated when you have uh a, 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 someone on a podcast they've been shitting on a fighter or whatever and then you know that fighter gets a big win or you know they're really sucking off a fighter and then they lose and they you know they they duck out of the podcast so i'll you know i'll eat whatever shit anyone wants to throw at me i say that on patreon twitter whatever you know or either of you guys right now in the podcast i really just could not see this going any other way than a wilder knockout and really you know, i didn't know that you were that set now also one thing that we don't do is we don't do like we don't go heavy on predictions or anything like that but what had you we so did confident last week, though don't start well, walking back fred because i call i right. do more podcasts than you guys so i'm so sorry but and to listeners but i can't remember what we say like week to week yeah but so you walked it back because i called it right so that's why that's why I no 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 we, fred this is this is a gimmick we're not letting you be too right about anything <laughs> no i called the fury ko 
in the Patreon when everyone was saying like uh, Deontay is going to smoke him, I kept telling everyone, "How are you going to feel when Fury KOs him?" And everyone just ignored me. Well, let's 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 find out yeah. what Tom was thinking. So that's let's let's not let Tom off the hook. Tom, you've got to no. Just he's got to explain. Like, what did you see? He has to plead for his uh, life now. <laughs> Fighting for my fucking life. Yeah. Um, it's like, yeah, yeah. Look, um, is that a Luda yeah, so Bella again, reference? I, I, I had I had picked uh, Wilder by KO. Um, and you know, yeah. Again, when you're saying, uh, of course, I, I saw there was a chance that Fury could uh, could win, but in my gut, I felt Wilder Wilder is going to win by KO. And really, the big mistake I made, which I think Wilder's camp made as well, was I thought this was going to play out, you know, strategically for both guys, like the first fight, and they were just going to make tactical adjustments. And I had watched rewatched the first fight. In heavy detail, you know, frequently frame by frame when I was doing some highlight clips. And it just, you know, I felt like if they fought the same fight again, Wilder is making great adjustments towards the end of the fight. You know, earlier on, he was thrown off by Fury's feints, Fury's stutter steps. And towards the end of the fight, Wilder was finding that his upper body movement was improving. He was landing body shots. He was, you know, he was finding Fury and that ultimately resulted in you know, uh, two knockdowns and nearly a knockout. What I didn't see, which in hindsight is extremely naive, is that Fury would say, okay, I see the same thing that... Fred, what are you doing with your mic? Oh, sorry. (laughs) Jesus, Fred. Fred, Fred's rolling down the stairs uh, or something. (laughs) What I didn't see is that uh, Fury's side might think the same thing and, you know, say, okay, yeah, we don't want to run that back. We don't want to do exactly the same game plan. Let's leverage leverage the advantages that we have in this fight. And that's the thing I want to talk more about in a little bit, the, the weight thing, which you guys touched on already. But, um, you know, I that was really the mistake. And, you know, the credit to Fury, he came in with a great game plan. He leveraged the advantages he had. And, you know, this is reminiscent of Canelo in the Triple G rematch when he came out so much more aggressively and on his front foot. Um, or, you know, to, to use a more recent and extreme example, Murata in the Brant rematch, you know, he there's a reference. Switching I'm sure a lot of people and, saw that. You're really you know, going to try to bail out your man Brant over this? Uh, God. Bailing out Brant. But, um, you, you know, know when Greg Cohen's in prison, right? Lost to a knockout win, you know, switched it up. Brant came out looking for another version of the same fight. And Murata said, no, it's going to be a loss. So I love you, Tom, but you're getting crazy now. Well, I'm not really defending myself. I mean, I'm admitting where I went wrong here, you know, and, and again, I'm giving all the credit in the world to Tyson Fury. He fought a very smart game plan, you know, and even just another thing I want to touch on before I throw it back, I'll throw out some more obscure boxing references, but, um, you know, Wilder got that right hand in. I mean, Fury was more aggressive. He fought on the front foot and he opened himself up to Wilder's shots. He got hit by very clean jabs to the head and the body, got hit by a few very clean right hands. But, you know, he had the benefit. It reminded me watching of two separate things. Ricardo Mayorga, who was famous for eating his opponent's shots. And, you know, something they would always say uh, on the commentary was, um, you know, if you know a p- shot's coming, you are not likely to get knocked out by it. And that was the thing Fury's camp had said coming into this, that Wilder is, you know, 
it's not so much that he's a hard that he's that hard of a puncher. It's that he has the speed to hit you with shots you don't see coming. And Fury, to some extent, you know, did have a sense of Wilder's timing from the first fight and didn't, you know, he kept it where, yes, he got hit by the right hands, but he could see them coming down the pipe and was able to take just enough off them. You know, I'm sure he felt those shots, but they didn't slow him down and he stayed on the front foot. Um, I was going to throw out another obscure reference, Ricky Hatton's fight against Cassie's you, but uh, I think I'll throw back to one of you guys first. Yeah, I Fury definitely deserves credit, and I just wonder, um, when we're talking credit to give to Fury, what do you think of the corner change? Like, how do you think it actually mattered that much? Um, you know, a lot's been made about Ben Davison and, and, and his abilities as a trainer. And I'll point out just how ridiculous it is that Ben Davison got so much credit uh, at the start when um, now he looks, at least if you believe that the corner change actually made the difference in this fight, Ben Davison should be ridiculed today. And he won't because he gives quotes to every writer, um, specifically those guys from The Athletic. But Ben Davison is a very nice guy. He's very um, polite and he makes himself available and you have nobody out here, that, at least that I see, is saying that Fury may not have needed to do this rematch because this maybe this is how that first fight would have gone if Fury would have fought like this. I mean, Fury did come out and fight in a way that we have not seen somebody approach Deontay. We have not seen somebody just come straight at Deontay and say, I'm going to pressure you. And I'm, you know, I don't know that Fury was throwing with bad intentions the whole time, but what he did do was try to make Wilder here's kind of how I see it. It's like Fury's game plan wasn't just to go out and knock Wilder out. You know, he would have fought a bit sloppier and he possibly would have caught him with one shot that might have ended the fight. But rather, I think Fury decided to go with activity because he took a look at Wilder's defense. Um, You know, just literally pick any fight that went longer than three rounds in Wilder's career. And what you would see is like, okay, Wilder can avoid... The, the 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 ones the the one twos he can avoid a lot of like the basic stuff but what we haven't seen Wilder do and when people do do this we see him make mistakes is that he's a, a little unorthodox in his defense and shots usually find their ways in because he's not gonna gonna be traditional and he's not that slick one punch at a time yeah Wilder can do that but Wilder's a kind of guy that his style is perfect for guys who fight in a similar way that he does which is one or two shots and you had Fury come out and throw combinations and it really took it. I mean, I think 100% it really bothered Wilder, but it also created so many openings that are always there, but they became pretty consistent and Fury just was able to put the punches together to actually make, make it matter. Um, Fred, you have any thoughts on, on Fury's corner change? Uh, no, I have thoughts on you guys being big bitches. What are you talking about? I'm the only one who called Fury KO, and you guys are trying to fucking reorganize what you saw and what happened. One, Fury's first knockdown, he punched fucking Wilder right in the back of the fucking head. It was a legal punch. But we're not talking about the why the we're not talking about the method. We're talking about Fury's approach. We'll get there. No, his approach was to be a big fucking fat bastard. And to lay on fucking Wilder every chance he got. Now, don't give me any of this fucking bullshit. Because, like, again, I called Fury KO on the last pot. So here's where we're laying out. 
I've, and as Angelo knows, <laughs> we've been with that fucking boxing subreddit for over a fucking decade or close to it. Every single fucking fight with Floyd Mayweather, people would put up threads. Isn't clinching, shouldn't clinching be fucking illegal? This should be fucking penalized. This should be this, this should be that. It's not part of the point. Of this fight, no one said a fucking thing. And this fucking fat bastard is grabbing fucking Deontay Wilder and headlocks. He's riling on him. Kenny Bayless even took a point away that the fucking commentary team didn't even fucking call out. And fucking Fury's punching him in the clinch when Bayless is telling him to break. He's fucking working a punching, 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 punching to the body. And then you guys still want to go, well, maybe this is a fucking master class. No, Fury's a fat fucking bastard, and he mugged Wilder, and that's how the fight is. You can say this, you can say that. This is how this fucking fight went. You got a six foot nine fucking guy who's 273 who's laying on this fucking prick. It was like six seven, and he's given up forty pounds. That's all it is. Try to fucking work your angles. Try to work your takes. No, it's all look. bullshit. You got this massive fat fuck who just laid <laughs> on Wilder, and that's it. I'm fucking tired. I, of I don't think it's. Look, yeah, I don't think no, Fury's no, that. No, jump in here. I don't think this. I don't think that. <laughs> he had Wilder in fucking headlocks. Yeah, and Fred, like pulling I, look, around I agree with you completely. Ring. Let me agree with yeah. you for a second. Yeah. Don't yeah, fucking look, back out. No, what Tom's I said trying that... to, Tom is so bad because Tom put himself out there saying Wilder's going to fuck him up. He had a, <laughs> he had a whole gif of uh, Shakur crying. They got a ton of views. This is me if Wilder loses. You guys all put yourself out, so now you want to overly praise Fury. No, Fury fought a shit fight. Which, if it was anyone else, people would be fucking trashing his performance, you know, okay. because he's just a big fucking fat dude that laid on the guy's neck and fucking rolled him around half the fucking ring. If there were two other heavyweights that weren't these two guys, everyone would be shitting on this fucking fight. But because the white dude won, everyone's happy. Anyway, I or let me agree with you for a second here. So when I was I saying repeat myself, no, I'll repeat myself. I repeat myself all the time <laughs> because it, it's not getting into you. I'm agreeing with you. No, no, look, no, no, no. Take, you're going to fight saying... and you're going to say, I'm going to fight. And again, I called Fury KO. Okay, Fury let's hear Tom. Yeah, let's hear Tom try to spin this. Tom, try to take yourself out of this. Spin <laughs> Dr. Tom Cody. Yeah. No, look. Uh, no, I agree with you. Like when I look, I didn't want to get into all the details at once. But when I was saying Fury had a game plan that leveraged his advantages, I'm talking about him being a fighter who, can, you know, has uh, height and huge weight advantage. You know, 15 percent of body mass weight advantage, which is the equivalent of, you know, 135 to 154 You know, Lomachenko fighting Jermel Charlo. It's the equivalent of. Danny Garcia fighting Caleb Plant. Um, you know, Canelo going from 160 to fight Kovalev. This would be the equivalent of Canelo going up to 185. You know, it's a huge jump. And again, so speaking of like Danny Garcia against Caleb Plant, that'd be the equivalent not just of like Danny Garcia getting to go into the gym for two years and try to put on muscle mass. This would be Danny Garcia weighs in at 147, has to make weight, 
Caleb Plant goes in, has to make weight at 168. That was, the, you know, the body mass difference in their weigh in weight. You know, it's crazy. That doesn't exist in any other part of the sport. But in at heavyweight, and this is where I'm, I am going to spin what you're saying and say it's not all just Fury being bad and a cheat or whatever. At heavyweight, um, your size is part of your talent that you bring into the ring. It's one of the attributes you get. In the other weight classes, it's evened out by the weight classes. You know, it's removed. You you know, you pay attention to things like hand speed and not size. At heavyweight, that's part of what you get to bring into the ring. And regarding Fury, yeah. I mean, look, he totally used guile in the fight. You know, he clinched. He really, like, that's something that really was, like, bothering me during the fight. Like, I remember speaking of him laying on uh, Wilder and wrenching his neck. I remember... Derek James talked about that leading up to the Brook fight, saying, you know, there, Brook clinched a lot when he fought Porter, so they brought in, like, heavyweights to spar with Spence. But the, he, uh, Derek James told me uh, leading up to the fight that he would not – he was very careful about the instructions he gave the, the heavier guys because he said he could really fuck up Errol's back and his neck if he was laying straight on top of them. And Fury wasn't clinching to prevent Wilder from throwing he was clinching to fuck him up. You know, Wilder could have repercussions from this. And, you know, I'm not saying, oh, poor Wilder. You know, it's boxing, it's a fight. But, I mean, Fury was clinching to fuck him up. And, you know, we still don't know the extent. Wilder's been injury-prone. You know, there was, a, there was a time a few years ago, there's really a question how he was going to continue and in what way he was going to continue his career. I remember after the Chris Ariola fight, you know, he's had torn biceps, shoulder problems, elbow problems a million hand problems. And, you know, that's what Fury was doing. And, uh, you know, as you said, I mean, he did that to the point of getting a point deduction. He didn't do it. You know, it's like there's a line like he didn't do it to the point of the ref not noticing. He did it so much. He got a point deduction. That was his game plan. Uh, but well, again, you know, that's that's guile. That's part of the sport. I no, mean, so see, when I finally him, got Tom little sparked up there. So, so I I wasn't watching I on TV, so I didn't get the up close the view. So it's interesting to hear you guys talk about that because I did notice there was a lot of clinching. I also uh, could hear British fans get so mad every time Kenny Bayless uh, broke them up in the clinch. Um, yeah, of course. But I couldn't shit. You said uh they did let Ricky Hatton work. But I didn't but can't hold know. I couldn't see. But I couldn't see what exactly was happening in those clinches. Now, did, did that play a part? Yeah. But I don't think it p- played as big of a part as that punch that Fury landed in the third round, which looked to me, um, I haven't Jeez, seen guys, multiple you're, you're, you're angles of this. You're playing into a Max Kellerman fucking narrative. No, if I and wanted I'm to play talking, into a Max Kellerman gonna, narrative, we'll talk about how the U, the UFC heavyweights are actually real fighters. But we don't I want to go down I, that road. I, I, I can't, I can't that. try to pretend that this is some, you know, fucking at-distance fucking boxing club. But nobody's claiming that. Nobody's claiming no, that. Are. What we're talking what about said. is there you are things... No, there are things that happen in the fight that... Guy no, no, no. There are a bunch of factors that go into this. You can't just sum this up and say, well, Fury won the fight because he was leaning on Wilder or putting him in headlocks. No, it's like, no, there's a bunch of things that led up to it. We could talk yeah, about... The, the, the illegal body punches when fucking Bayless called for a break. We could talk about the fact that yeah. Deontay Wilder had tissue in his hand all throughout the week. We could talk about so I saw somebody mentioning that one of shoulder uh, Wilder's shoulders looked a little misshapen. Now I don't know about any of that stuff. 
I don't know about any of that stuff. You can bring it up, but there are a ton of factors to discuss. I'm talking the fight itself. I know that, but you are stuck on one specific thing, and I think there are a lot of things to talk about. No, there are a lot of things that we should address. So they're like, okay, the white guy won, so now we're going to crown him as the fucking champion, and we're going to completely ignore the fact that during the fight they were all saying, this is a trilogy no matter what, trilogy no matter what, trilogy no matter what. And then after the fight, the same fucking ESPN guys are like, who do you want to see Tyson Fury fight next? This is, this is what you had. A white dude who got credit for fucking, oh, the British fans really came out. Well, where were the last two fucking fights? They interviewed people, random people in the audience, and they said, where are you from? Texas. We're here to support fucking Tyson Fury because he's a gypsy like us. All the fucking Irish gypsy want is a complete fucking fabrication. They're not. They're just Irish people. They got no relationship <laughs> from Romania. So this is where you have this whole fucking bullshit. If all you guys want to pretend, and again, I'm the dude who called Fury fucking KO. You all want to buy into this whole fucking mystique of this fucking nonsense. Well, then that's your point. But here it is. Any other fucking fight, people would be bitching and whining about this dude laying on a guy's fucking neck punching him in the clinch after the referee called break, punching him in the back of the fucking head. But here and not. It's wild. Look, cause everyone I, I got I to gotta jump in. I'm sorry, yeah. Angelo, that we're, we're taking over the podcast here. But look, yeah. I, I want to speak to that. If you if you say that, like, um, we're giving Fury too much credit. Look, this was the ultimate win ugly today, look good tomorrow fight coming in. I mean, I, I, I don't know how much we got into that on the podcast last week, but that's been the stakes that have been looming over this. This had huge stakes for ESPN versus, you know, for uh, ESPN. Fox versus, you know, uh, PBC right. versus Top Rank, uh, Tyson Fury's career versus Wilder's career. I mean, this was a fight you just had to win. You know, like we made fun of Anthony Joshua the way he fought Ruiz in the rematch. But he's going to go on and make eight figures in his next fight. You know, he had to win that fight. We weren't very impressed with how he did it. This was a fight Tyson Fury had to win. So that's why I'm giving him all the credit in the world. I mean, um, he made the smart adjustments. He definitely fought, you know, in a way, as we've said, that, you know, skirted the bounds of what was reasonable in a fight. And I totally agree with you. And I mean, that's a point I want to get into later. I mean... The, the, the people on Twitter and Reddit have been, you know, the fanboys are so insufferable. I mean, I had to process that overnight and throughout the day. It's like something we always talk about in Lomachenko fights. It's like we're so angry at the boxing writers and the fanboys yeah, for sucking not. them off. Well, let me finish. That are oh. sucking them off that we have to, like, you know, really just step back and say, like, it, all we want to do is shut on Lomachenko because that we have to say, no, you know, Lomachenko oh, is a really good fighter. Um just his fans are annoying. Ignore the fans. Just give him credit as a good fighter. And it's the same thing here. I Look, I totally get you. If Tyson Fury were not, you know, some white guy that British fight fans love to relate to, yeah, this would not have been treated the same way with his clinching. You you make the complete accurate comparison comparing, uh, you know, how Mayweather was treated to Tyson Fury. But, you know, we're adults. We can step back and say, okay, that's fanboy bullshit. And he still deserves credit for the win. This fight had incredible stakes. Nah. He came out and won. And if you want to make nah. fun of the fanboys, make that's a separate conversation. It's not a fanboy because UK people hate Fury. That's another f- false thing. 
Well, anyway, I've said my piece. I'll let no, uh, but see, Angela. that's it. Because see, because that's it, Tom. You put yourself out there so hard for Wilder that now you want to retreat, and you but you want to retreat in a sensible fashion. So then you're like, well, let's give all the credit to Fury. Well, he's a big fat bastard who laid on a guy's fucking neck and then punched him like illegally. <laughs> but either way, gonna... either way, you can say all of that. But here's 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 how this plays out. Because we've done this before. You you can listen to people say that, you know, technically G- Gennady Golovkin is still undefeated because he's got to win over Canelo because he got robbed. Whatever. Okay. How it Andrew actually plays Kamada out is the best heavyweight. How it actually plays out, though, is that Deontay Wilder's corner, they stop the fight, and Deontay's Wilder's rec- Deontay Wilder's record will say one loss, TKO to Tyson Fury, and Tyson Fury will be undefeated. And now his title actually is physical. So. That's how it plays out, and we've learned over time that history tends to forget a lot of the details of how things went down, um, and wh- how this is going to look like is that Tyson Fury just went in there, legitimately stopped Deontay Wilder. We won't like remember that there was a too. there 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 were there wasn't a punch behind the head, there wasn't the excessive clinching, and like that's an art in boxing. That and and that speaks to what you were saying, Tom, of like if you win, <laughs> if you win. And don't really care how you get there. Over time, people will forget about all the details, and they'll just revere you. And you get to avoid, you know, all of the the, the controversy and all of the criticism that you may be have coming your way. But I, I think for Tyson Fury, this was perfect for for top rank because it's like, hey, we don't care how we won, we won. And realistically. The amount of people who are going to talk about this versus the amount of people who actually watch the fight is is smaller. And those people who consume the fight through social media, things like that, and then want to go speak on it, like all the people from ESPN who will probably talk about the fight tomorrow, who didn't actually watch the full fight, they're not going to really go over the details. They're just going to per, uh, perpetuate the narrative. And, and and that's what will be, that's, that's just how it's going to go. And that's just kind of how boxing goes over time. There are tons of fights that get, and fighters that have been remembered and the details of things are a little shaky. But that's how it goes. And, you know, this is Tyson Fury's moment. I think Tyson Fury, um, anybody who looked at Tyson Fury and said, you know, this back, say, when he was 25-year-old, this guy who's 6'9 to 25 years old, like, this guy's not going to be one of the best heavyweights of his era. You, you, you probably sounded crazy, even when he was punching himself in the face. <laughs> he goes on and beats Vladimir Klitschko. In a way that Vladimir Klitschko looked 100% pedestrian. He looked like a guy who, you know, you know, fear, the way Fury beat Klitschko undermined all the work Klitschko did in that that era because it just made you think, wow, if this guy looked this bad against Tyson Fury, how bad has heavyweight been over the past X amount of years that the guy who destroyed everybody just looked like a scared guy in the ring? Who got completely psyched out? So Fury's, you know, gotten himself back. He's he's had whatever indiscretions and, and stuff in his career up to this point. But you know, Fury is really, uh, he's really seized his moment and he's here. Now I I have one take about this, and like I don't want to get bogged down by the whole fanboy thing. I don't care what British fans think. I don't care what Wilder fans think. You know, Tom, you want to be Wilder fan? Cool. Fred, you want to? Uh, say you predicted Fury won the fight. Yeah, yeah, okay. Past all the predictions. Past all the, I like this guy. Past, I'm also uh, a traveler. Or, you know, I, 
I think Black Lives Matter, whatever the, the case may be, where you find your position in between these two guys. Take that out. One thing that I was just very clear of is that these two guys, just from the story, uh, Wilder and Fury, are going to be connected forever in boxing history. I think they will go down and be remembered together. And the reason why I think that is because of the, the juxtaposition between these two fighters. They, they, they are the perfect pair. The absolute perfect pair. You could not have created um, a movie, a story between two fighters better than the one that actually played out between Wilder and Fury. And what I mean by that is you have Fury, who's still relatively young, but Fury was seen as this prodigy. He has the traditional skills. He has incredible size. Everything about Fury, from his name to his background to his family, everything suggests that this guy should be the king uh, of heavyweight boxing. And up to this point, Fury is for the most part underachieved, either because he eats too much, he parties too much, he has too many live mics in front of him, whatever the case may be. He's not achieved to to the extent that he's not even the most popular heavyweight in, in the UK where he's from. And then you have Deontay Wilder, who on the other side of this, everything says that this guy should not have reached the point that he reached. Anybody with half a brain could look at one of Deontay Wilder's fights and say, huh, this guy's a very hard puncher, but he's not that skilled. He's not that good. He doesn't look like the traditional boxer. And... He never really convinced you that his his flaws were fixed. He only would convince you over time that the one asset he has that nobody can compare with is getting better. And that is his ability to land the right hand. And it's crazy to me that over the course of, of the years, Wilder has convinced people little by little, just a little bit more, just a little bit more, that that right hand will land in every fight to the point where... Everything said that Tyson Fury should have beat Deontay Wilder, both fights, everything. But Tom, somebody who watches a lot of boxing, you watch a lot of boxing to make the gifts and all this stuff, you should know better. And I'm not trying to scold you or anything, <laughs> but like traditionally, if you just stripped everything away, traditionally, you should just say like, yeah, the, the better boxer usually wins whenever you two, you get two guys, especially if one guy relies a lot on power, the boxer usually beats him. But the that right hand has been so convincing and that's what knockouts do over the, the the years that you actually believed that Wilder could land that right hand and end the fight. And like, I know it's kind of hard to detach yourself from that because there's a part of, of even me that thinks that if they fought again, is there, I, I wouldn't be shocked if Wilder knocked him out. But it's crazy that these guys should have never gotten to the point where their careers are. I mean, Wilder was on, was so close to being the face of boxing. Like if Wilder knocks out Fury in Wilder style, it's it's possible that Wilder surpasses Canelo, but he yeah. never should have been here. Should I jump in here? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah. I know. Look, I totally agree. I mean, I, I, I've I've said this a lot, but I mean, and one of the reasons I like I was you know I was devastated and I was posting gifts on Twitter of like you know crying and Shakur saying, Stevenson is, crying. Look, I didn't mention that name, you know, saying this is me right. Well, Fred now, already you know. outed you, so. Uh, yeah, but he didn't at Shakur at least. Um, so anyway, um, look, I've I've always considered Deontay Wilder to have overachieved in his career, which is one of the reasons that I I'm you know I, again I've kind of joked about this, but I'm I'm really not as upset. At, like there are other losses that have been a lot harder for me to take than this, 
even with the way that it went down, you know, with being a knockout loss, just, um, again, I've always considered Wilder being an overachiever. I mean, he was considered a joke on like the boxing internet, speaking of like five years ago or something, even as recently as maybe three years ago, you know, people posting clips of his, I think it was the Eric Molina fight where to, to get the KO, he was like jumping while he was throwing punches, all of his wild windmill punches. I mean, it's really more amazing that he was taken to be at the very top of the division in the last, you know, really only 15 months. I mean, you know, he gained credit for beating Luis Ortiz, but people really had no idea how the the first Tyson Fury fight was going to go. And that really gets to the point you're asking, you know, how did I, I mean, not that I'm a real boxing expert or anything, but how did I go so wrong in my prediction? And really it was just based on the first fight going into the first fight like what happened on Saturday night, if that had happened in the first fight, that would totally be within the realm of what I had expected. You know, there was a lot of talk coming in about the huge size advantage. Um, I had talked a lot about how visible I was. I was live at the first Luis Ortiz fight, how much Wilder had gotten beaten up to the body in that fight, how big Luis Ortiz's size advantage was in that fight. And, you know, Tyson Fury even being much bigger. It was really a case of how the last year played out, you know. Um, we had 12 rounds of the first fight where Tyson Fury didn't fight like this, didn't make the fight that physical, didn't come forward, didn't try to be that offensive. He put all of his, you know, mental focus onto, into his defense and then sort of landed punches when he could, as he could, you know, this was a very different approach. And in the last year, you know, we've seen Wilder score the knockouts that he had and, you know, Fury got hurt by, you know, you just compare their last fights. I mean, Fury got hurt by by Otto Allen. It just seems, you know, I'll say again, based on, you know, over-reliance on thinking about the first fight and their fight since then, it just seemed like that Wilder right hand was going to connect and Fury's chin was not great. And, you know, this is why I'm giving credit to Fury. And I look, I totally get Fred's point. You know, believe me, I get Fred's point. If I'm just being overly accommodating to Fury to, you know, into in my process of eating crow. Um, but, uh, I do give him credit. You know, look, it wasn't an immediate rematch. This was 14 months since the last fight. And in that time, you know, I'm sure he thought a lot about how he was going to, um, you know, approach this fight. He got a new trainer, which, you know, as we've said, might have been superficial. We don't really know. But he approached the fight differently. And not every fighter can do that. You know, we talk about Canelo. He's, he's a special fighter who could do something like that. Tyson Fury was successful at it. Most fighters can only fight one way. They spend their entire career figuring out how to fight one way. So that's why I'm giving credit for that. And, um, yeah, I, I don't need to repeat anything else I've said. So I guess I'll throw back to one of you guys. Fred? You're all shameful. It's terrible. I don't know what happened to you guys. Tyson Fury became the lineal champ by using steroids. <laughs> and he should have been barred. I didn't know you could snort steroids. <laughs> no. He, he failed He failed for steroid use before he fought Vladimir. Hey, man. But it, no, hey, but Hurt, Fred, Fred I heard, I heard oh. he ate uncastrated wild boar no, but it doesn't That's matter. what I heard. Yeah. He failed the test, and he was still allowed to fight Vladimir Klitschko, and he won when everybody else in normal boxing fashion would have been suspended. And so now you got a guy who only got off. He didn't. He didn't get. He was never clear. He just walked. He waited out two years and you can't fucking buckled. And they're like, okay, we'll just let it 
go because you already been you served your suspension by fighting Archer. And then people go, well, he's a lineal champ. And they never mention it. The guy used steroids to win, to beat Vlad. And then when he comes up here, well, what else is he doing? David Benavidez lost his fucking belts by doing cocaine out of fucking uh, competition. Shouldn't be fucking lost a belt, but he lost his belts. He still called fucking, uh, you know, what's his name? Wilder Fury, the lineal champ. Well, they should have lost it by the same fucking rules. The guy's doing fucking coke all the time. And so now everyone wants to go, well, he's a, he's a fucking hero. Yeah, he's a drug user, steroid user. He should have the exact same fucking shit people threw on. And I called for him to win, but this is what you get. The guy fought dirty, he fucking cheap, and he's a fucking ped user. I got nothing to try to fucking save him. And I backed him for win. And when everyone else wants to say that you want to take away from Wilder, nah. This well, is what it is. This is what boxing is. Everyone's making excuses for a guy who like went on anti-Semitic rants, homophobic rants, all these other rants. And then he goes, oh, no, that was uh, my mental health issue. <laughs> eh. Yeah. Well, you're, sure. you're, years old. you brought up know. something. I've been around for a long fucking time. I never went on a rant, and I've been drunk a lot. I never blame the Jews for anything. <laughs> you no, brought up something, so everyone though. Everyone likes it because he's white, and that's what they got. And well, even still, even now, now even the fight, uh, Deontay Wilder comes in. It's Black History Month, and we all saw the fucking forums. Everyone freaked out. Well, I saw why, parts of it that you guys is, didn't. Well, actually, Tom, you why, might have. Exactly. Yeah, because if you're, if you're a mod on the fucking subs, you saw even more wild racist shit. And you go, why is he making it about race? Yeah, here's Tyson Fury going, I'm a gypsy king. <laughs> See, that's all ethnic hatred. Every single fucking time you hear Canel Alvarez walk into the ring with Mexico Ilindo Quiero, that is a fucking extremely nationalistic, jingoistic song about Mexico. But no one gives a fuck to go, ah, that's a song with the horns. <laughs> I don't think that's exactly so then, what they say, but it's close. Yeah, exactly. And then Wilder <laughs> comes in as a black fighter. The only fucking story that is native to America is the black fighter experience. Not the Mexican fighters, not the British fighters. The black fighter story is the only native one, and everyone loses their shit. People wanted a white guy to be back in charge of boxing and a white British guy. And they hated Deontay because he's loud, even though Wilder is louder. You mean Fury's louder? shit, you know. But I guess, I don't know, people sort of like it when, you know, if you're only hating the Jews, eh, we'll still promote that, you know. <laughs> and that's what you got. The guy fought dirty. He fought smart, but he fought dirty and shitty. So that's what you get. So there's no reason to say, what did Wilder do wrong? He was up against a dude who fucking laid on him and hit him in the brakes, and he, he was allowed for it. Well, I, I don't. I wouldn't even say that Wilder did anything wrong. I mean, look, nobody's gonna accuse Wilder of saying you should have done X or Y or Z. You know, like Floyd would have done. Because it's like that's not Wilder's game. It's not his game. Wilder's not there to be uh, unhittable in the ring. But you brought something up. Um, I wanted to go talk about, which is the fan reaction, and like. One thing about these kind of fights is fan reaction, where it's like, 
the the you gotta remember Tyson Fury, six foot nine, two hundred and seventy something pounds, Deontay Wilder, six seven, two hundred and thirty something pounds. It takes a lot for these guys to uh and I, I granted they are they're boxers, that's what they signed up for, but like that it's it's not like these guys are going um and this is not a difficult job. These dudes went and put their lives on the line because they're big dudes. But like you look at Twitter and Instagram, like comments, like people are crazy with like calling Deontay a bum and things like that. It's like, wow. All right. Well, I guess, do you watch the sport because you actually enjoy it? Or do you watch the sport to be a fan of one person and then that's it? Because the reaction was crazy after the fight and, and you you know, about the, the whole race stuff. Um, just on the sub, you know, I can see all the comments that just get picked up by the, that, by the, um, like, uh, the little bot that just, yeah, the auto mod. yeah, that just knows all the bad words that usually people who are going to make some racist comments would say. And like some of the stuff that popped up last, I was like, wow, this is crazy. Like I never, like, I know that, you know, boxing is a very nationalistic, ethnically driven sport. We, you know, Every fight yesterday on the big board, they had to show what flag that they represented. But I didn't think it was that bad. Like people just coming out and blatantly just posting just like white power and all capital letters on the sub. I was like, wow, where where did this come from? And where were you guys last week when Caleb Plant was fighting? They said the same thing about wow. Caleb Plant, and you saw. <laughs> Go, uh, well, they like him because like him. Well, that, yeah, yeah, that was a multifaceted uh, joke because uh, we all know that uh, Caleb Plant is the top African American fighter yeah, in the PBC the uh, uh, stable. That was on Twitter. Anyway, um, so of course, there's the whole nonsense uh, about what Fury does next, and like it's to just rematch. put this to well, well, to put it to bed because we have to kind of address like the facts here. There's no, well, Fury can now do what he wants. Fury can, you know, there's step-aside money for Ushik and Pulev so he can fight Joshua. There is none of that. He's contractually tied into this rematch. So, really, the 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 facts here is Deontay Wilder has 30 days to execute a rematch clause. If he says, I want the rematch now, then everything is set for a rematch. There may be some things that need to get settled, or you would think there's a couple of things that maybe they'd have to settle. But ultimately, the fact that the fight is happening is go- that that will be the case, which is what we saw uh, it, with the Joshua Ruiz rematch. It's like that rematch was negotiated to happen. Now there were details that they had to sort out, but ultimately, that fight was happening next. So in this situation, it's a very similar thing. Deontay gets to decide if he if he wants to take the 30-day rematch clause or not. It's possible that they that he executes it, but they renegotiate it to say, hey, we want six months off. We want X amount of time. We want to both take interim fights, whatever the case may be. But these guys are contractually tied to we get to each other pending Wilder's decision to want the rematch uh next. That's that's the fact. So there's no conversation of Tyson Fury fighting Anthony Joshua, which is ridiculous because Joshua's got less of a chance against Fury than Wilder. Um, there's no talk about Tyson Fury fighting anybody. It's it's all comes down to well, what does Wilder do next? That's like the only interesting thing to talk about here because it's the only thing where we could speculate. So now, putting the question to you guys, do you think Wilder executes the rematch clause? 
Uh, yeah, definitely. And I mean, I was surprised. So I, I feel like we haven't really talked about this that much, but you guys had a great immediate reaction pod after the fight last night. So if you guys haven't listened to that, check it out on the Patreon feed. But I, I was surprised during that how long you guys took mulling over that question. I mean, uh, as far as, you know, would he activate it and could they sell that? And I just think that's, you know, naive. Did I we mean, say that I think they he, could sell it? I don't know you, that you guys I don't were remember talking that about they that. Could sell it. I don't I don't remember. Hey, no, it was I late. said you'd execute. No, he, no I, but I, the part I'm said... talking about is whether or not it's it sells, oh, which is there's two separate element. topics. Yeah, so I think we were doing one I think they will experiment on other things and what Yeah, we were pontificating. Are. Yeah, come on, Tom. Okay. Come on. So, I'm so answer... sure. Come on, Tom. Quit, I'm going to answer apologizing for, for being a fan of Deontay. That's why. Like. Come on, <laughs> get, get your balls back. I will never apologize for America, no. nor will I apologize for, for being sure. a fan Damn, of Deontay. Damn, these colors don't run. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, but go on, go on. You. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I'll, I'll answer both parts. You're a little parts, heated there. I, I, I'll, I'll ignore this sort of comment about the, the post-fight pod. Anyway, um, look, I think definitely they're going to take the rematch. I think they... They have to, and uh, Wilder's manager has already indicated as much. Um, you know, and I think Fury's side, I don't think they're going to try to get out of it. I mean, Fury's last fight had a gate of about $800,000. This one had a gate of about $16 million. I mean, it's literally 20 times bigger. I mean, there's nothing Fury's team could want more than to get Wilder in there again. And, you know, again, similar on Wilder's side, they're just by far the biggest opponent that either could face, even if Wilder takes the, you know, the 40% cut, it's in his interest to do that. You know, if he fights Adam Kanaki, I mean, that's not going to bring in that much interest comparatively. So, um, you know, and then can they sell it? I think definitely they can sell it. And just like my little drag on this, Floyd Mayweather sold us a fight with Conor McGregor and McGregor's pro debut as a boxer. There are so many different angles. You know, we say right now, oh, you know, it'll just be a repeat. Look, how about they have Tyson Fury go on Jimmy Fallon and he's drunk and really drunk and not just pretending to be drunk. Or they leak out some pictures of Tyson Fury with some white powder on his nose. But it's really hush hush. You know, someone just catches it on an Instagram story. Billy Joe Saunders catches it on an Instagram story where Tyson Fury's in the background at a party. You know, then you start wondering if Tyson Fury's doubting his commitment to the sport. I mean, there are so many ways they can create doubt and create interest in doing another fight without an interim fight. You don't need to do an interim fight where Wilder gets a knockout to remind us that Wilder's a strong puncher. You know, I think they will do the rematch and I think it will sell. So I don't have any doubt that if they did a rematch that it would sell like no, no way in hell. Um, my only, the, the thing that I think we were talking about yesterday is just does, do, does Wilder do, do, do his team, do they want to go right back in, into the fire? Because, I'm thinking that they look at this fight and they say, well, we need to make some adjustments. Do they think that they want to make the adjustments now and not work on them and just go straight back into it? Um, all signs indicate that the answer is yes. Um, and look, Fred brought this up last night. It was a good point. Um, yeah. yeah. I know you go into it because if you're wilder, it's like, I mean, if I lose again, I now have what, almost $100 million in the bank plus in my career? I don't need any more money. I'm going to go out against a guy who, you know, something you, I think Paulie made really clear 
um, at least after he lost to Sean Porter. But remember when Pauly, you know, melted everyone's hearts when he was just like happy that he had gotten beaten by Sean Porter because he's like, damn, you know, I'm glad I got beat by someone like you because you're actually pretty damn good. You know, is it like an honor? Well, game recognizes game. And I think any heavyweight, you're got to be dumb if you don't look at Fury and say like, hey, I'm okay losing to you. You know, it's not like I got lost. I lost to some random guy, but it's like, no, Fury is legitimately very good. So for for Deontay, it's like, look, I'll go fight Fury again. We make a lot of money. He's a good fighter. If I lose, no, no, you know, I gave him my all. I have nothing left to give to the sport. I can retire with all my money. Yeah, I just want to raise another point here, um, which Fred Fred had mentioned on the post-fight reaction pod, I think. might have been you, Angelo. But, you know, Wilder's 34. He could be 35 by the time the fight happens. Um, he's also had a laundry list of injuries over the course of his career, as I mentioned earlier. You know, this is not a guy where you're going back to the drawing board to try to re... You know, this isn't like Lubin when he fought Jermel Charlo, where they put him way on the back burner started to develop him, and only just now, a few years later, are they trying to bring him back to the title picture. I mean, you know, there are a lot of differences <laughs> in those two situations, but, you know, this is Deontay Wilder very likely at the end of his career, you know. Um, this is not a thing where they're going to spend time trying to build him into a new fighter. Fred? Of course he goes to the fucking arena. Oh, wow. I got a message uh, from somebody just completely unrelated that one of the moderators on the sub was helping racists. Oh my God. I don't even know what this guy is trying to say. It's, these guys are so crazy. Why do you think yeah, I just, haven't just dealt all, with look, the fucking sub? And like, just, just a message to anyone listening. If you're on Reddit, have sympathy for the mods. People have so many weird conspiracy theories. You have no idea that like, I'm not even a super active mod. The amount of shit we have to wade through again, you you see the stuff that hasn't now been filtered out. The, the unfiltered feed <laughs> is just the the mock of the earth. Anyway, back to you. Like on the trade. But yeah. so, how confident are you guys in the rematch? Because if of course it's gonna fucking happen. No, no, no. What, what I, else I mean, do? I think we've established that it's gonna happen. But like, do you see it? Are you gonna make the same prediction? Uh, Fury getting another KO. I don't know. Maybe. You think the, you think it plays out any differently? <laughs> Uh, well, it depends because Kenny Bayless, of course, is a terrible referee. Didn't let Wilder work. He let uh, Fury cheat. Oh, wait. These are all the excuses <laughs> Lord, that every single UK person used for when all their UK fighters lost fights. In Vegas. Yeah, I don't know if it plays out. You never know. It could be different. Could be this. Could be that. Like I said at the start, I said last night, I didn't like when Wilder came in heavy. Just didn't like it. Because every time he's looked like really trash, he came in heavier. Did, did you guys, to you, and you're watching on TV, so again, you guys had a much better view than I did last night. So I'm real curious. Did Wilder look slower to you? It's really uh, hard to say. I mean, he looked, you know, as we've said, he looked impaired. And, you know, I think that he was thrown off by Fury, you know, coming forward so much more aggressively, but also at, at least after the knockdown, you know, he never looked the same. So it's really hard for me to judge how much the weight had to do with it. And, you know, Fred, I think we were talking about this on Discord beforehand. I, I speculated that to some extent the heavier weight at the weigh-in was just for show that it was water weight. I, I, I personally don't read that much into that. For who, Fury? For Wilder. No, Wild, no, because you can see him in the fight. 
He was so, so wilder. You think he did have more muscle mass? Yeah. yeah. No, no. He was just thick. He was like covering hair with his water, where it's fat or whatever. No, he looked thicker than before. Because mm-hmm. usually he's fucking real thin. Because like he does a lot of fucking pool work, so he's always fucking like really extra thin. Like he's not a guy that does uh, road work. So that's why he's always fucking ripped because like his pool. So this time, nah, I didn't like when he came at two thirty-one. I just didn't like it, and he looked bulky, you know. And then this is what the fight was: fucking Fury just leaned on him like the fat bitch that he is. But but for this fight, everyone loved it, you know. For every other single fight, they're all up in the Reddit saying, "Hey, why shouldn't they be disqualified for clinching?" Do you think? Care. Do you guys think it would make? <laughs> I think the question was, how would the rematch go? Uh, it's going to be the same fight. shit. I don't care. Is this is what you get for the rematch? Waller makes all his money, rematches, he retires, he's gone. Who cares? Angelo, what about you? What do you yeah. think? Um, I think a third fight between these guys will start very differently. Um, I think if Wilder knows or expects Fury to come at him. I think we see a much different approach from from Deontay, but I think at some point um, Fury would be able to get to him. Just I, I think what Fury understands now is that if I give, uh, actually no, if I throw enough punches at Wilder, he will make a mistake, and I don't even have to load up because I'm just going to connect with him, and because I'm such a big guy, at some point I should be able to hurt him. I think. Wilder's defense gives so many openings where, you know, Otto Whalen was is is not a better fighter than Deontay Wilder, okay? But when Fury threw punches at Whalen, he he the way he defended himself was in a way to minimize absorbing blows. Wilder's defense well, the the point is fighting not to lose both those fights. But the like, I, but I'm, I'm not talking about that. I, I'm talking about the way yeah. they defend. Most fighters when they defend themselves, they they anticipate that the punches are going to connect with them, but they put their arms up in order to absorb most of the 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 impact. Wilder doesn't do that. If you notice, he kept just pull, pulling his head back and moving off to the side, which you know I think severely sped up the process of him actually feeling the impact of any of those punches because he was his head was not protected when those punches were landing. Now, you can say, you know, Wilder wasn't that hurt by most of those punches, but one of them did manage to get there. And if Wilder was willing to just shell up at times, you know, shell up, walk forward, and kind of like smother Fury's work, he doesn't get hurt like that, and he probably doesn't get stopped. But that's not Wilder's game. And I think Fury understands that. And until Wilder can figure that out, he's really not gonna. He's not gonna do well with a guy like Fury, who's not afraid to just come in and throw the punches and wait for Wilder to, or wait for Wilder to make enough of a mistake that you can take away his right hand. Because what happened when he got his equilibrium knocked off, Wilder? That took his away his legs. When his legs got taken away, well, the right hand has no power. I'm pretty sure if you slow down that whole fight, you'll see Kenny Bayless stick a knife in fucking Wilder's ear. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's uh, out there. <laughs> Watching in slow motion. Let's see, here's the thing. People go, well, the, re- oh, the rematch. Well, Wilder's got to fucking win this. Uh, the fucking uh, the AJ Ruiz rematch is probably one of the shittiest fights I've ever seen in the history of mankind. You know, AJ didn't want, anytime he got close to engaging with Ruiz, he almost shit his pants. 
you know, and he's like, oh, how the fuck do I get away from this? And then they go, oh, it's a brilliant, brilliant rematch by AJ to reclaim his belts. And then he spent like fucking two hours in the ring jumping around singing songs about how he like reclaimed his titles. So who gives a fuck if Wilder win or not? It's, it's beyond that. It's about fucking making money. And they'll make money. And again, like I said last night, it is so hilarious that before the fight, even when Joe Tessitore was the KO, like maybe Wilder's going to win this one by KO, they're all like, ah, that third fight's locked in. It's locked in. It's guaranteed. 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 And then they come back, even today, Top Rats, like, see Top or Fury fight next. And well, suddenly, what? They got a fucking contract. Third fight's guaranteed. They spent fucking like four months telling us the third fight's guaranteed. And then as soon as Fury wins, they go, hey, wait, well, maybe we got options. No, no you fucking don't. Well, it's a I- big fucking sham. And this is this is what fucking annoys the living piss out of me is that it's a great fight, but then everyone wants to act fucking retarded. When you know, it's just like, I, I, I can't play along. Why, why is Mike Coppinger asking where the after party is? Because someone from fucking top rank told him to ask that question. So it's just, I'm not playing that fucking game anymore. I'm not playing any of these games. Sorry. Well, I think for top no, rank, it makes sense to do it. And we see it all the time because this is just their way of trying to promote Fury to get people talking about him. I think that they understand the meta game of boxing social media, which, by the way, this is a fool's, um, a fool's journey. I don't know. Because the people that they're appealing to in the quote-unquote boxing social media is such a small number of fans when you actually think about it. But I don't know. That's just the game that everyone's trying to win right now is winning boxing social media, which, you know, isn't much when you think about the people who actually ordered the fight last night are really far... That number is far greater than the people who actually regularly participate in boxing social media. Um, one thing I, I, about the rematch though, um, I'm curious that if Wilder said, I want to take time or just said, ultimately, I'm not taking the rematch clause right now. And I feel like I have to earn it, whatever. Okay. For whatever reason, if that fight is not next between Wilder and Fury, one thing that I wonder is so far, we know Fury cracked the code. He figured out how to beat Wilder. He did it. Okay. Now going forward though. I'm curious to see if Wilder was just like, this was his time, his expiration date is up, and he's never the same again, which could be the case, we don't know, or is what Fury did last night actually that special? Because you could make the case that, well, gee, that was so obvious, a lot of fighters could have done that to Wilder and probably gotten this result too, but they didn't. And is it possible that it took a guy as good skilled big as fury to do what he did last night or which would make fury pretty special and look we're not trying to take anything away from him we know fury's good but or is maybe wilder basically revealing himself to be a pumpkin i don't know but it's definitely a super interesting storyline to look uh or to discuss going forward with wilder's career should that trilogy not happen but i don't think that that's likely i think the trilogy is very likely happening anything you guys want to say about that um no i don't i don't really have anything to add about that i mean um i think it's it's always a little bit of both i mean wilder is a very unique fighter he has extremely apparent flaws 
but he's managed to be successful with the strengths that he has. You know, he's beaten uh, a few top 10 guys uh, at this point. I mean, Dominic Brazil was in the top 10. I mean, I know people are going to make fun of me saying that, but, you know, Luis Ortiz as well. He's, he's made that work for him in spite of the flaws that he has. Um, you know, again, Fury has a lot of advantages. It's, um, I, I don't know. I mean, I think history will say it's a little ridiculous that so many people were rating Wilder so highly coming into this fight over, you know, some things which maybe in, in hindsight you could say were superficial. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not going to get into that again. Uh, That's the power I, of the knockout, man. The power of the knockout. You knock guys out and you can erase a lot of things. And when you're a guy like Wilder who's got 40 knockouts on, on your resume, that erases a lot. I mean, it truly does. The thing is, the Wilder's brand was always that he was this wild, unorthodox guy, though, who made a lot of obvious mistakes. I don't think people forgot that that happened at all, but I mean... But um, for for people to, like, say, okay, but he's also fighting a guy who knows how to box, and, like, something that, at least I always say all the time on the podcast is, like, if you're evaluating two fighters... The first thing you must strip away to determine who's going to win is you take power out of the equation because power doesn't make any difference if you can't be the, the smarter fighter who can set those shots up. If you can't set things up, if your offense can't sustain without hurting the other guy, very likely, or you're not going to win. You know, guys at the top level, they have good chins. Guys at the top level, they got good defense and they're crafty. So if you strip power away, well, just who's got the better skills? And usually, if your skills are much better than the other guys, you're the one who's going to win. You know, Lomachenko and Teofimo Lopez, that fight will be announced probably this week, maybe even by the time you listen to this podcast. And there are people that believe that Teofimo is going to be the one to do the job or he's going he's gonna to go over on Lomachenko. And I, I don't buy that. Because if you strip the power away, because let's be real here, Lomachenko's no Diego Magdaleno. You strip the power away, Teofimo hasn't shown that he's a good boxer. Lomachenko has, but Teofimo hasn't. So it, it it's puzzling to me that people, you know, at, at least for some reason, Deontay, and, and like it's credit to him, just made everyone forget that, hey, he's like, if he doesn't land his right hand, he's going to get knocked out. Or sorry, not, not he's going to get knocked out, but he's just going to get beat. You know, there, there were just so many people who were super confident that Wilder would win, Tom. I mean, I, I would just be repeating myself if I continued more along this line. All right, let's, um, let's, let's, let's zoom out now. Let's talk about on the whole. We haven't talked about, the, you know, we've, I, this is, we usually don't spend so much time talking about like the, the I don't know, the, the details of a fight. But if we zoom out and just look at the sport of boxing, um, what do you think that this event meant for the sport of boxing? Um, yeah, look, this was a huge event. I mean, it's another reason why I wasn't as upset today as I could have been. I mean, that this was a, a big event for the sport. Um, felt like, it, I mean, at least the biggest fight since the, the, um, Canelo Golovkin fights, but I mean, in terms of the American, you know, non-Mexican fan base, it was the biggest fight since Mayweather Pacquiao. I mean, it was, it was huge. Uh, it was no, really... you mean Mayweather McGregor? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's a whole other thing of, you know, was that a sideshow fight, you know, whatever. But anyway, um, it, it was a big fight. Okay. And it was just fantastic to see um, all of the boxing world come around to support it. I mean, even DAZN <laughs> was trying to piggyback off it, you know, which is kind of pathetic in its own way. But I mean, they weren't trying to counter program it or do something else, you know. And it, you know, it was it was on one hand, you know, really great. Uh, on the other hand, it really just highlighted how frustrating it's been that, you know, for the whole rise of the PBC, you'd have, you know, like half or maybe even like 80% of the boxing media shitting on PBC stuff for no reason or just damning it through omission, which signaled that it wasn't stuff worth paying attention to, you know, the damage done by the fractured boxing media. I mean, this was an extremely good fight, but, you know, what you had was the commitment from the networks, which was amazing. And, you know, just, just in our little sphere, as we say, the boxing social media sphere is smaller than people, you know, frequently consider. But it was fantastic to see just the unanimous support for the fight. So, um, you know, as far as what it means going forward, that's more complicated. So maybe I'll spin off uh, to one of you guys here, just the thing saying quickly. And, um, um, you know, hopefully we will get more of this, of people just saying, you know, we don't need to make everything so partisan you know we can just support good boxing when it comes up i I love it unlikely idealistic of you that's coming out of the mouth of a self-declared pbc shill so you know um, that's our whole angle here we can't do that we that that would not be good for us for that to happen uh conflict 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 anyway one of you guys uh what do you think fred well (laughs) <laughs> it was a nice event but once again it's the complete fucking bullshit of the boxing world oh i mean well boxing is the biggest scam it's we love it but even today okay the 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 myth of the uk boxing fan and everything and they're the ones that are really holding the sport up like if you're michael montero uh when they had during the weigh-ins and they went and they interviewed people and they go, where are you from? Texas. Last time I checked, that's not part of the fucking United Kingdom. And then other guys go, oh, Ricky Hatton fans, they always fucking traveled, man. They always traveled. Oddly enough, the only big two fights that Ricky Hatton ever had were against Mayweather and Pacquiao. Uh, for some reason, they fucking didn't travel to see Pauli Malignaggi. <laughs> it's, it's what happened. I thought they traveled. You know, and so we had it again where they go, oh, man, they're all here for Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury had two fights last year and he didn't break one million in the fucking gate. So this is uh, the weird thing where they suddenly people are like, this is the genius of Bob Arum. Bob Arum was going to put on Ramirez versus Postal in fucking China before the coronavirus hit. And then people were like, oh, this this shows how great Bob is at putting on fights. What the fuck? I'm pretty sure Gervonta Davis's fight at two and a half million dollars is probably a larger gate than you could pick almost like, what, 90% of what fucking top ranks fucking fighters have done. So it's just, this is endless bullshit. And that's what's so sick. I love the fight. It was a good turnout. But this whole need for all these jerk-off fucking writers and media 
just turned this into this is top ranks moment. The, they fumbled their entire fucking boxing program to the point where they have to get fucking Fox to prop up their fucking pay-per-view card. That's where it is. They paid Tyson Fury $100 million on a five-fight deal, and they still won't fucking make a profit on this. You know, like last year, they're, they're paying him $20 million, and his gate's like an 800000 So I love this fight. I love this whole thing. But all the rest of this, this need to try to prop up top rank as the greatest thing to ever be in boxing history. It's fucking shit. The zone collapsed. Golden Boy is fucking driving Canelo into the fucking dirt where they, he doesn't even have a fucking opponent. It's only about 10 weeks away, and they haven't named an opponent. They were trying to pick up Caleb Plant, you know, and yet and Eddie and Oscar on the same fucking network. So this whole, it just, it, I love both these guys. And I said after the first fight, I love this fight. It's a great fight. But then all this fucking, the media is fucking garbage. It's fucking horrible. The boxing police guys, everybody is talking about, and then and this goes even for the fucking Fox Network. So people say, you know, okay, we're shills for PVC. Eh. You know, Fox are like, well, we won't touch certain fighters because of their background. Well, what about these two fucking guys? They all got shady shit in their fucking background. You know? Well, I mean, that's it. boxing. Like, like, I, yeah, but, that but drives it. me crazy. It's bullshit. You know, it's fucking, that's what it's bullshit. You know, and I fucking hate it when guys go, okay, but this is boxing. They can't because they have to take a stand. And yeah, okay, Mike Tyson, not even accounting his felony rape fucking prosecute. Mike Tyson had the, probably the shittiest fucking end career of any boxer you could ever see. He was a fucking joke at the end. You know, even Holyfield was a fucking joke too. And then last night, everyone gets up and they cheer and they fucking go crazy for it. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm going to go in a different direction here. So yeah, I'm, not, we, I'm just saying all this, enjoy these guys, have fun. But everything else, it's just like, uh, well, shut the fuck up. I mean, I'm going to condense what you said because I think really we spent, we've spent the past year or so. And there have been two specific events where writers fumbled over each other to promote events that they thought were the crossover events that could help boxing, that could reach YouTube new markets, fights. that could <laughs> really yeah. propel the sport forward. And you know what actually did it? One, the traditional model. It wasn't streaming. It was a traditional model of pay-per-view. Okay? Pay-per-view is not going nowhere, and fights a fight like last night is the reason why. Because for some reason, pay-per-view just gets people excited. Now, is that right? Is it good? You can provide your own assessment, but you have to let the numbers and the facts speak for themselves. And the numbers and the facts are going to say, damn, we need to do this again. Like AJ would say, so nice, we had to do it twice. Now... The other thing, <laughs> did how he did say that? He did. He said it after. He said it after the the Ruiz fight. Okay. The last thing I heard, he's like, "Why is this happening to me?" No, this was in the <laughs> in the, in the rematch. Um, okay. But the other thing is like, 
you had two very traditional fighters. Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder, these guys are throwbacks, okay? They, these, they don't, there's no new school about these guys. They, they talk trash. They're, 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 they're not trying to do anything extra. These are just two, two regular old fighters, heavyweights. They don't got 20 million Instagram followers like Ryan Garcia. They're not like these new guys. They're, they're not crazy, you know, with the clapbacks like Gervonta is on, on, on Twitter. They're, they don't do that. You just had two regular old heavyweight fighters. They can talk a bit, but they're trash talk. They understand the art of the trash talk. Talk a bit. No one talks like these guys. But but they but there's a di- difference. They're not like clapping back at each other. This isn't the new age. And I'm not trying to like do the old man thing here. All I'm saying is like these guys, they understand the art of promotion. They understand that yeah, yeah. we're talking trash, but it's not like you know we hate each other's guts, and it's not like we're no. trying to make this personal. We are trying to talk trash to each other to let you know that we don't like each other, quote unquote, so that they you buy the fight. The fight. They sold. They both sold their stories. Yeah. So they, like, they, I, like I said, this is this one. This is what's great. Like I said again, I love the first fight. I love this fight too. These guys made a ton of money. All the rest of this shit, all these fucking sycophants that are like, you know, clinging and sort of giggling. Oh, we we need an Al Heyman cam to show when his fighters lose. You know, something for Lance Pogmar actually wrote that. Right. What the the fuck would Al Heyman care? He got his fighter $28 million fucking guaranteed. That's what his job is. You know, Chris Mannix said Deontay Wilder needs a promoter to be a star. This showed that neither one of uh, well, uh, real talk. Neither one of these guys needs a promoter. No. They are the promoter. Yeah, but Fury's still paying seventy percent or thirty percent to to fucking Aram. Don't because Bob had the magic. Even though Bob can't get any of his other fighters over fucking a million dollars at a game, somehow you know he you know he, no, it's just it's great for boxing, but then all this other other bullshit just fucking drives him wild. And I'm not gonna support that. It's, it's all fucking nonsense. They're I, all well, fucking horrible. They're all fucking sitting there like, oh, this this is this angle. Eh, nah, fuck off. The, if, the, you, if you're gonna say if you're gonna hey, wait, if you're gonna have a podcast. Where you're asking people, how do we handle Gervonta Davis? And then you don't talk about how Tyson Fury is a fucking drug cheat and also like a fucking homophobe and a misanthrope and an anti Semite. No, it's like, shut the fuck up. That's what boxing is. Just shut up. Well, boxing is a sideshow like that where yeah. it's the one. Well, I mean, there are other sports where you can see clear examples of guys who get excused and get passes for their indiscretions outside of the ring. But in boxing, it's just like, yeah, it seems like everyone's got this stuff going on. Now there are, there are obviously guys who don't have anything, you know, your Leo Santa Cruz is the little saints out there. Yeah, sure. But for the most part, boxing has got a bunch Leo of Santa Cruz. Well, Leo Santa Cruz, uh, doesn't, I mean, he's a popular fighter, but he's, yeah. he's not a million well, by guy. Leo Leo's far more popular than fucking probably he's more popular than Jose Ramirez. Well, I I would put yeah, Leo Santa Cruz is probably a tier above him at this point. And granted Leo's it's not apples to apples cuz Leo's been around forever at this point. But the point is like these guys got to this super high level. They don't need a promoter. They are the promoter. Um, you don't get guys like Wilder and Fury, you know, you don't have a bunch of these guys. No promoter has a bunch of these types of guys in their stable. I mean, does anybody with top rank right now have the mouth of Tyson Fury? 
the ability to pro- to promote themselves. No. Nah. I mean, yeah. most of them can't even speak English. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure in, in whatever language they're good, but, you know, Lomachenko does not come off this way. Now. Like, like I'm sorry. It's just, it's just so funny because, like, Mike Coppinger almost, like, fucking lost himself on Twitter because he's like, Kubrick Pulev had visa issues in the United States. Well, it's the fucking U.S. It's not the U.K. chief. You'll get a fucking visa to fight fucking AJ. But he's like, oh, my God, it's going to happen. AJ Fury, he's trying to report. Yeah, so. Of course the U.S. kicks him out. Same reason Tyson Fury's dad can't come into the fucking U.S. I, I, the point <laughs> is like. The dude's eye out. <laughs> we are being misled <laughs> is the point. We're being misled. If you if you stick to just the boxing social media, you, you read the same boxing writers. They're giving you such a narrow um, view of things. And it's like, yeah, this fight delivered. It truly this did. This fight should be how everyone treats every single boxing fight. And, you know, but everyone wants to shit on every single other fight when it just sort of conveniently involves uh, PBC. You know, people shit all over Caleb Plant. Caleb Plant went home, had a fight, homecoming fight. <laughs> A dude last year that all the pundits said was like he was going to get his ass kicked, but he was getting gay. You know, only 17 That's fights. That's a new pronunciation. Well, I don't give a shit. No one cares about him. No one oh, jeez. But everyone I think, said, I think his mother cares. Well, yeah, well, his mother probably could give Plant a better fucking fight than he did. <laughs> you know, it's just like all this fucking shit, they're proven wrong, and they keep coming back at it. You know, like, even the... Because th- you weren't there for the pay-per-view, fucking Noir. You're in the fucking fight. I you was. Didn't to, you didn't have to listen to them. Oh, my God. Uh, I heard them selling the fight the whole time. Completely ignore the Fundora versus Lewis fight while they're watching Deontay Wilder walk into the arena. They spent 15 minutes watching him walk from his suite all the way from the restaurants... And MGM Grand, if you ever stayed there, is a fucking massive. <laughs> it's huge. It's a it's a maze. Yeah. So that's what they did. They completely ignored the fact that the Fundora fight is still going on. And then yet, but when Navarrete f- was on, oh my god, fucking Joe Tessitore couldn't stop about uh, talking about how brilliant he was, and he looked like shit. Well, he looked I like mean, we got to get into the undercard. He, he looked I got like some a thoughts. dude. Who's like fucking missing half his punches yet copy boxes scoring them all. You know, he's sloppy. He's fucking off balance. It's just, it's just, it was a fucking terrible card. I'm not supporting. Well, let's, let's start with that because let's get into the undercard. So at the top, Charles Martin got that um, stoppage over Gerald Washington. And what I thought was just kind of like a meh fight. Like it was Charles Martin missing the left hand to the body. Over that and was over the best again. Part of the night, I think, of the undercards. Well, oh, I mean, it was the only one that had some like legit action when Charles Martin just dropped him. Um, but ultimately, a, a flat fight to me. Like when I when I kind of like looked at these fights, I was like, okay, it seems like the plan here is to just extend the night as long as possible in order to get that push for buys because they plan to show the ring walks on Sports Center and stuff. My my guess is like they really wanted to do as much as they could to get people to order this and give people as much time as they possibly could 
without, you know, doing some blatant thing where they're like actually waiting for the UFC to end or something, but they really wanted to get people to buy this. And that's yeah, but, how the undercard but, came, uh, looked to me. The, the bad thing was, okay, the pacing of the fights was good. You know, like they paced those fights pretty good. When a fight was over, it, it's like they kicked off the next one pretty quick. Like zone spent like 40 minutes between the fucking fights. Like their last thing, even ESPN, when they had that uh, Teofimo Lopez, he's crying about not being able to come back to America or some shit. You know, it's like an In the arena, it did, it did feel a little long. But yeah, no, but, but I don't have like commercials or anything to look at cranked out. Their problem was, is that they, they, like, I said this on Twitter during the undercard fights, they're talking about the main event. Then in the breaks, they're talking about the main event. Then the next fight, they're talking about the main event and they weren't talking about the fucking fights in front of you. That that was one thing that I, I, I saw is that they, they really just kept encouraging you even after the pay-per-view started so the only people who would actually hear were the people watching the pay-per-view like i bought the pay-per-view why am i being sold on the pay-per-view i could get it for the undercard okay the the youtube fights or whatever whatever is on fs1 okay sell me but then he's like once the pay-per-view started why are you still selling me on the main event you know and that's that espn fucking weird thing where they almost hate boxing well, I think ESPN sees it a lot uh, similarly to the way Bob Arum has traditionally talked about pay-per-views, which is that nobody cares about the undercard. It's all about the main event. So you might as well just give them a bunch of crap on the undercard because they're not watching anyway. Um, and, and really, like, he, I, he's not wrong, by the way, because if you look at the ratings for most fights, most fights, okay, because I know there's one example that Tom is itching to bring up, but... For most fights, <laughs> Toppy shell shocked her. I, I think Tom knows where I'm going with this. For most fights, the viewership like is a slow trickle to the main event, a spike in the main event, and then you know that's it. There's one exception to that that I can think of off the top of my head, but that's how it goes. And so when 75% of your audience is is or uh, well, when there's going to be a 75% increase for the main event. You don't want to like put out anything really super important prior to that point. It makes sense to me why why they chose to do it this way and why Bob Arum has said what he said all these years. No, okay, so so that's a, that's slightly different, okay? Because like people say, well, they have to invest more in the undercards. No, like uh, again, I don't believe they do. Well, no one. There's a distinction no between pay per view and regular TV as well. Uh, yeah, no, but I'm saying pay per view undercards. No one really gives a shit about the undercards. And you see with the even with the stadium, like people pay fifteen hundred bucks. What uh, floor seats are like thirty five hundred dollars, and they only show up for like the last like they're they're barely trickling in when uh, Charles Martin's fighting. You know, no one gives a fuck about the undercard as the point of sale. But when the fights are going on, you still have a responsibility to give a shit about the fight as a broadcaster, you know, and that's what ESPN is completely fucking missing. Well, like there's no reason to sell me on the fight. I'm already there. You know, if I'm sitting with a bunch of people or whatever and you're bullshitting, you're drinking with the undercard and maybe I will catch some action and somebody will say something. But no, you don't have to hear about Oh, does Deontay Wilder really want to win this fight tonight? It's just fucking nonsense. 
All right. Well, back to the fight. Tom, any thoughts about Charles Morton, the prince? I like that. I like that fight. Tom? Yeah. Uh, Look, I thought the undercard was, you know, unsurprisingly fine for this type of thing. I mean, oh wow, you thought it was okay, fine. I'll just I'm very 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 quickly like the the Fundura versus Australian guy, ton tons of power punches thrown. It definitely, you know, it's hard to build up a fight like that where there's absolutely no storyline, no storyline given by the commentators. As Fred said, the commentators are just focusing on the main event and, you know, the arena is empty and no one's paying attention to it. But the action itself was good. Navarrete, you know, at least threw a lot of punches. You know, he got he did got uh, the job done there. We got another heavyweight fight on the card with a knockout. So, yeah. It's like you always want that great fight, which could be its own headliner, like Danny Garcia against Lucas Matisse is the very classic example of, you know, a, a truly main event quality fight on an undercard. But yeah, exactly. That's really the exception um, that does not prove the rule. Um, yeah. So anyway, I, I think I, if I you talk to the it. PBC people, they would think Benavidez Durrell is probably at that level. And, and that is a, a much better co-main than you usually get. But um like I said, I, they will not sell the fight, and it's, it's not like, okay, you need better fights. I'm saying they had to treat the fights better. Well, I, I don't, I'm not going to disagree with that. I have one defense, though, and I think you guys will agree with this. Like, I think for any of these fights on the undercard, and, you, you know, Charles Martin versus Gerald Washington, Emmanuel Navarrete versus Joe Santissima, Sebastian Fundura, Daniel Lewis, my take on that. And here's how I would have thought about it. It's like, look, I don't think we can sell a story on these fights. There is such a vacuum in the main event that no matter what we do, nobody is going to care about these fights. They do not hold a candle to the main event. Yeah, but see, like uh, you didn't watch the car. No, no, but I, I know that there's – we're talking about two different things though. I'm not saying no, that no, what, no. You're, what you're saying is wrong. They should no, have paid respect to it. I know what you're trying it. to say, but this is where they're wrong. So the Fundora fight, uh, Ward and Lewis were actually talking a lot about the technique of Fundora and Lewis. And then they cut away to it to watch Deontay Wilder walk like 20 minutes to the ring. And which would have been better except for his girlfriend kept getting blocked by the other guy. That's the only reason people cared about that thing at all. You know, his, his girlfriend is wearing like a big titty dress. So you're like, okay, if, if the guy would get out of the shot, they don't take this. But F- Fundora. Did they and, also uh, show Fury's um, helicopter no. uh, shot? Yeah, they showed a bit of that, but there's only like two minutes of it or something. Because we got that for a long time in the arena. Yeah, it happened before the, the pay-per-view started. Oh, yeah, that's right. That it was, was on, on the, the prelims. Yeah, that was on FS. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, so... The pay-per-view had started. Yeah. And during the Fundora fight, the opener of the pay-per-view, they yeah. did Deontay watch. They did that split screen. Holy yeah. crap. Like I so, you know, in in the arena you lose track of like, oh, we're live right now, especially yeah, when no. It, no, now yeah, that, in that these whole days split screen was live. Because in these days, it's like when you usually now when you get there, you're live because they're yeah. streaming to YouTube, and after that, they're on FS1 or they're on ESPN Plus doing the the quote unquote what we used to call the untelevised undercard, and yeah. so it's all live now. Yeah. So like I, I lost, I lost track of that. That is absolutely crazy. 
Yeah, no, that's what I said. Like, Fondora was about the third third round or something in, and then they cut to Deontay Wilder coming from his suite. And then that's all they're talking about is Deontay Wilder walking. And the other fight's going on. And then they came back to it later. It's like, well, well that's weird. But then with the Navarrete fight, Tessa was treating it like it's the greatest fight ever they saw. And then with the Charles Martin fight, they almost didn't talk about anything. And so that's where it was weird, you know? Yeah, it's it's a strange uh, thing in so it was pure ESPN, and that's what that's why I don't like them. I don't like them. They they push their narrative, and they don't give a fuck about anything that's not their narrative. Well, they they I think at least their philosophy is like they understand the hard sell of one specific thing that people are there for. But I'm like, yeah, but cur- I'm they curious. Dropped out. And then push Navarrete's fight as if it's the greatest thing you've ever seen. Well, I want to ask Tom what he thought about Navarrete. Tom, I don't have a strong opinion about it. I mean, I so uh, let me let me frame it for you then. So watching live, it looked like he kind of struggled for half of that fight. So I don't know if that was the case because you know I I didn't have the best angle to to watch, uh, but that's how it looked like to me. So you tell me. Yeah. He it he did not look. It's not an A plus performance in my opinion. But look, Navarrete. My comment on him remains unbroken. That outside of the dog bay fights, he's fighting guys who are like outside of the top fifty. And I know, yeah, clown box rack or whatever. But th- these are not known good guys. And um, ESPN loves the narrative that he fights a lot. Like that means thing inherently. I mean, it's always a trade off with the quality of oppositions. They're trying to say he's the best in the division simply by the volume of fights he's taken and and then you know don't even get me started that now they're ready to move him up to 126 for a vacant wbo Wait, title fight they mentioned that yeah they, they brought that up oh wow oh yeah Which, no, you know did. again it's like i even tweeted about that because because they, they essentially uh, uh uh what's his name tessator essentially said that shakur is going to vacate and move and but i thought so conlon would get that come up yeah what's that i, I said i thought conlon would get that so they're going to no, they're they're moving. They're ready to move Navarrete. Well, I mean, who would who do yeah, you want again, with that title? Isn't, isn't you know? I mean, the the funny thing is, I mean, even on the ESPN broadcast, they're not even pretending that the WBO is an impartial body. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to rank the best fighters in the division, they're just like, well, if one one top ranked fighter moves up, I guess we'll put it on another one. That you know? blows it's, my mind. That they're like, oh, sorry, Colin, but uh, you know. Our guy at 122 is moving I, up. So I, I have heard talk that Conlon would face Navarrete. Could just be speculation. Anyway, I'm not going to... I think we're spending a bit too much time on the undercard, but that, that's, that, that's all I have to oh, say. Look, he didn't look it. amazing, but look, Nav- the division is very fractured. It's a thing where Navarrete could be the best in the division, or he might not be in the top five. You know, it's, uh, it's just weird. Just because they've set They've just he's, kept he's, these fighters so far apart uh, in terms of the Come on, the, Tom. The... Come on, Tom. Get some no. One twenty two doesn't have uh, one twenty two is not good enough or not strong enough for any of these guys at the top. They're to better be than ever. I don't know about that. Brandon Figueroa is not better. Uh, he's pretty. Uh, anyway. <laughs> I I don't know. Emmanuel, you know, Emmanuel Navarrete's got some nice hair. He's got those shit. Uh, speaking of tattoos, Daniel Lewis. I, I so. This one, <laughs> guys, is it just me? Like I thought, I thought that this fight was way closer than the score. The scorecards were. Now, I'm watching f- uh-uh. from farther away than you guys. You guys are on TV, so you tell me. 
was I missing some of the shots that Fandora was landing, or was Daniel Lewis missing a ton of punches? Because mm. like live, it just no. looked like he was landing like a pretty frequently, not like a ton, but he was landing frequently enough with power punches. Yeah, no, it it, it was a good fight, but what I think got Fondora the rounds, his left hand was really getting in around the guard of Lewis. Okay, and and that's what like he like, he was really working that left hook. The left uppercut looked nice. Like yeah, he, he throws it like a jab. Yeah, like no, Lewis gave him a great fight. It was a very close fight, and he was working. Hilarious on it. commentary on it. Andre Ward had clearly never seen him fight before, and it was just like he's tall; he should use his jab. And it's like, again, it's like we we we've gotten past this two years ago. Yeah, it's <laughs> like bet, okay? it's like good in theory, but not in practice. It's also the Paul Williams thing that if you're a tall fighter. And you try every opponent you fight, you have a height advantage over. So guys are just going to press into your chest to try to go inside. So do you spend the whole fight trying to get to the outside while they're pushing in? Or do you just say, okay, that's going to happen. And you use your frame to land these unorthodox shots. Like, you know, having a great angle to land his uppercut, which you did. But see, I thought that was a fight. And that's why it annoyed me when they just cut away to the ring walk. Because I think Lennox and Andre were really getting into a good idea of it so they, so they sort of knew okay so figueroa he doesn't use the jab fundora but fundora yeah yeah sorry yeah fundora but he doesn't either yeah yeah figueroa <laughs> but then uh they were saying okay so if as because they're talking about his dad training him and they go if you can't spot the talent you know it's like it's not that you have to be replaced as a trainer but maybe bring someone in who knows how to do it. And then they're talking about, well, okay, what uh, Fundora's real problem is, is his legs are too skinny. He doesn't have that good base. So he, he can't sort of bow up when guys do come charging in on him. No, that's a really good point. The The center yeah. of gravity basically just isn't there. Yeah, so so they were saying, huh. okay, he's not just, he's not just working Pretty the smart. Jab. Yeah, but but that's it. They were giving great you know ideas of, okay, okay how do at 6'6", six, six, even if you're awkward, they're saying, okay, what his real problem is, his legs aren't uh, thick enough. You know, so so a guy like Lewis can be effective when he crashes it. Right. Well, because Fundura then can't stand his ground. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So so I thought that was really great. But then... No, that's good. We get 20 minutes of uh, Deontay Wilder walking when they block his uh, girlfriend. Uh, no, press. no, that's good. And, and I'm sure that Joe Tessitore did a, a, a fairly good job of interrupting them and trying to derail that conversation, <laughs> yes, too. Exactly. He did. Yeah, he, he did a great job of interrupting that. Well, we had two upsets on the undercard. Subriel Matias got upset by Petros Ananian. Um, I, I figured that one. Yeah, well, here's the thing. I, when I looked on Twitter, it seemed like most people thought that that was a little, uh, a, a little shocking and maybe not even the, a fair score. But for me watching, I thought that it probably was right. I didn't think that it was likely, but I thought that Ananyan was very close in every round. And then he had those really big uh, rounds in the later part of the fight. So, like, I wasn't that shocked um, th- that he won. I was definitely shocked that it was a uh, unanimous decision. And I, just thought, I, thought, I thought Matias had the first six. And then. Uh, uh, the yeah, I don't know about that. I, I I'm not saying you're wrong, but I don't I don't know. Um, from from the way I saw it, I I thought not enough to, it was close to, enough to really go. No, it, it, I was talking to a British guy last night at MGM, and and he was trying to tell me like um he was trying to like emphatically tell me that Fury won the first fight, and I said, look, was the first fight close? He says yes. 
I say, okay, then you cannot assert one result over the other. You just can't. Not if you think it's close because boxing has, there's, there's, there's windows. There's like a scale where things are possible. And in close fights, the scale is either guy wins. But anyway, Amir Imam also lost. Okay, the, the the main the main undercard fight I want to deal with is Gabriel Flores. Okay, hold on. Let, let me just say let me just tell my piece about Amir Imam. So I'm watching the fight, so I walk over to the room and I'm sitting there and I'm eating and I'm watching this fight and I'm like, all right, all right, you know, this is relatively like, you know, competitive, but like it, I was lulled to sleep by it. So when the decision came, I just walked out. I'm like, I'm done eating, I'm leaving. I'm, I I already know Amir Imam wins this wins this fight. So I'm sitting there and and I get back to my seat before um the the announcement happens, and I'm sitting there in my seat, and then like I'm not paying attention because again I already know Amir Imam won the fight in my head. No, he did. And then I and then I'm just sitting there, and I'm like looking at my phone, not paying attention, and all I hear is Javier Molina. And then I yeah. said, and in, in, in my head, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. They never say the guy who loses name after like they announce a decision yeah. or something, and I don't even Javier think Molina. like I'm just like. Just going on, and then I'm like, wait a second, hold on. Did Javier Molina win that fight? And then I even go to the chat, and I'm like, hey guys, did Javier Molina win? Everyone ignored me. I'm like, what is going <laughs> no on here? Watch it. That fight bored the living piss. Out it of was me. not good, that's for sure. But I was, I was just like, I, I was so shocked that Matias lost, and then <laughs> d- doubled with the mirror mom. I was like, wow, this is a weird night. And that was generally my take, like all night. I was like, everything was off. Nobody no, performed I, very well except for Fury. Yeah, I was already getting fucking shell shocked from the <laughs> upset. Fred started on that again. No, 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 no. I, no, I said there Fury was something in the water, shocked. guys. Anyway, I you could talk about Gabriel I just Flores. Had to shit talk the whole takes. No, that whole Amir bomb fight. It was like that was the FS1 fight, and by then I was already fucking done with Kriegel and fucking Bernard Asuma. <laughs> They're fucking. Hey, how about you fucking watch the main event? And I, I even tweeted that. I go, I'm watching this, and I don't even give a shit about this fucking fight. It just, I don't even care. Anyway, what did you so, want to yeah. say about Gabriel Flores? Uh, that I'm not about to say about Vito Milnecki and piss Tom off. Uh, no, yeah. Vito, Vito's great. He's, Tom's going to jump on Vito. No, no, no. Yeah. You, you, you speak on Gabriel Flores. I, I'm going to give uh, it back. I don't get when people are saying all over Twitter, he looks like a young Floyd Mayweather. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's not where I thought you were going to go with this. Is that what people were really saying? That's what they were really saying on Twitter. Oh, boy. And I even say at the time, I go, he doesn't even look like a young Jeff Mayweather. Wow. <laughs> I, I, I like I Gabriel Flores. I really do. I had no clue people thought this way about him. Oh, no, they were fucking going off on him. He's good. And I'm but like, what the f- what? What the fuck were you watching? <laughs> like, he did not look good. First of all, it's, it's just like you should just... You don't compare fighters to Floyd Mayweather. Like in baseball, yeah, don't. you don't compare like players to Babe Ruth. Like nobody does that. It's just like, okay, that guy is in, a, in an echelon where he's by himself and nobody's like him until say, otherwise stated, first yeah. of all. No, like even like I said, even uh, I think today I was goofing on, like even Oscar De La Hoya. No, young Oscar was a brilliant fucking fighter. You know, you can't take much away from young Oscar. You know, but young Floyd, no, it's the Flores is not. The one, he's like he's only got like eight knockouts and like almost nineteen fights. Well, his defense isn't that great. Like, what yeah. are they talking about? 
I don't know. And and again, I like Gabriel Flores. I think I tweeted this to you earlier. Um, Yes, after like or midway through his fight, and he's looking just all right. And I'm I'm getting nervous. I'm like, I'm pretty sure in the chat I've been very positive about Gabriel Flores. So I did a little search to make sure I didn't say anything too crazy. And luckily I didn't. My assessment of him was very fair, even though I I did say he is good. But um, you had to make sure you didn't sell out on like Felix Verdejo. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I had to make sure I didn't say like Gabriel Flores was going to be the next Floyd Mayweather. But I did it because no, I'm, I'm not saw, I'm not crazy. I saw several people say that on Twitter, and I'm just like, oh come on. You, maybe they're <laughs> trolling. They're Let's say that, that they're trolling. I mean, they were. Oh, yeah, the they did not they say it on the broadcast. Roy Jones. And- Are you oh, guys yeah, kidding? Yeah. Who who said it? Uh, of course, uh, Kriegel. It was my uh, God. Kriegel, Kriegel and Azuna were doing the uh, the top rank prelims. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's, well, that's the only so thing bad. That Flores has with Flores, he like he idolizes. Is like so does Caleb Plant fight like him. So does Caleb Plant. Nobody says Caleb Plant looks like Roy Jones. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I'm I'm pretty ready to move on from this. I'm I'm going to just. You uh, want to talk about Mel oh, huh? Great Tom. Quit, quit throw cold this, water on the hate fest. This He's is the 19. great stuff to goof on. He didn't look terrible but the effusive phrase was embarrassing well sure say about that i would say this like are all of our little 19 year olds in the sport right now and our 17 year old you know gabriel flores vito milnecki joey spencer i think they all look very similar which is like you could see the talent like you really can you can see where these guys like why they're in the position that they're in but you also see like, hey, there are things that are severely missing. In Melnicki's case, it's like he lands really clear shots. But he yeah. also doesn't appear to have any sort of strength behind those shots where he should be sleeping, guys. And they're okay, standing yeah, but, there. Okay, but, the, but he's okay, 17 so years old. Yeah, here's the weird thing, too. When the broadcaster, they, they're like going, well, yeah, he's like he's got a really a lot of hype behind him. He's fucking 17, and this is like fourth fight. <laughs> He hasn't even developed his body yet. Right. And and like Melnicki at this point is more of a, a, a sideshow than actually like yeah. one of the legitimate like prospects in the sport. Gabriel Flores is 19 years old. He's very good. I like him. Now, is yeah. he much better than Joey Spencer? No, he's not. And like that's it, it's also not a bad thing. It's like you're 19 years old and you don't have the traditional sort of amateur pedigree. We can afford to be patient with a guy like this. Yeah it, yeah, it was just it was just the Roy Jones and the Floyd Mather. It's like seriously, guys, go watch Floyd as a young. I player. mean, Kriegel <laughs> has no self aware. I mean, he just goes way too far with this shit, you know. And just because I haven't gotten this this in anywhere else for the the main event, I thought the commentary was like I thought Tessitore was really reined in as much as I was making fun of Kriegel on the prelims. Oh. Overall, I think the broadcast was basically fine. I was really uh, sort of dreading it going in. There were some, 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 you know, parts which were not great. Timothy Bradley kind of went off the rail rails a few times. Um, he was wearing two ties during the prelim section, section, uh, which was kind of uh, inexplicable. But um, overall, I didn't think it was too bad. I think uh, overall, I've seen pretty positive comments on the. The main portion broadcast team, and I well, with know, the exception again, of the selling I, of the I main went, event, not from me. Yeah, no, I didn't like it. But so, that's different yeah. from bad commentary. I, like, I think. Okay, the yeah, main event. The main event. Issue. I will say the main event was the selling is done. Okay, the way they called the main event, I liked. 
Yeah. And I think, Lennox, yeah, I think if we're looking for something positive to say, I think yeah. we can agree on that. Lennox and Ward were good. All right. Together. Would Lennox and Joe Goosen be just as great or not better? Yeah. No, it'd be the same thing, you know? Like, and that's what that's what's so weird about because uh, Chris Myers is off now. He's do, still doing the XFL and everything, but the Brian Kenny thing, uh, Kenny is good at getting him to talk, but you just want these guys to talk. You don't want to start directing the conversation into like, okay, who should they be fighting? No, you just got to spur these guys into talking more, and that's all they need. It's sort of like, you know, because everyone, everyone goofs on Sugar Ray Leonard because he doesn't talk, you know, and that's why they it always want to doesn't say anything talk. interesting. Yeah, but he doesn't because, like, he's, he's still he, like he's still stuck in fighter mode. You know? And Lennox Lewis isn't. Like, Lennox Lewis, you can. He'll start giving you insights, but you just got to sort of, like, spur him on a bit, you know. And I, But I think that's just more familiarity. Like, once him and Goosen do these fights more, they'll start to do it naturally, you know. So, uh, yeah. I, I just so, thought of so, something, guys. Go ahead. Um, totally off topic, but I think usually when a fighter takes a loss, especially when they're hated, it usually turns them into a face. Remember when Timothy Bradley was the most reviled fighter in boxing? Like, if you are a relatively new fan, you do not understand how hated Timothy Bradley is. Like, people may say whatever, you know, they may like Bradley now, but Timothy Bradley used to get so much crap when he was coming up. Because he was considered a dirty fighter. Take how people view Sean Porter and multiply that. Because Bradley, not only did he have head clashes, but he usually cut guys with his head. And so there's some there are some good memes with the uh, the Porter and Bradley sitting together with head buddy. Well, I don't know anything about that. I didn't watch that. But for the most, but Bradley was really hated. Okay, already and like he was seen as a boring fighter he was yeah, seen as a guy who was ducking because he was signed with Gary Shaw and couldn't get fights with with uh any other guys could couldn't get in Amir with Amir Khan who Amir Khan was very popular at the time he fights Manny Pacquiao and got the decision which you know wasn't deserved and people sent him death threats and we heard all of that blah 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 heard the victim story there and then when he fought Provodnikov and Provodnikov beat him or sorry, Frodo didn't beat him, but beat the hell out of him. Um, Bradley suddenly his... became a fan favorite. So I wonder. But that was it, because like, oh, sorry, go ahead, finish. Well, the, the 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 thing I'm wondering is like, I'm looking at this picture of you know from the fight of Wilder and Fury, and I'm wondering, Wilder went out, tried to go out on his shield, withstood the punishment in the fight. You can say whatever you want about how the fight played out. But Wilder, ultimately, he took his licks. Well, do you think we see a similar turn where Wilder becomes beloved by everybody in the same way that Timothy Bradley was? Tom? Jeez, this sort of came out of nowhere for me. But um, to to answer the question overly specifically, I think people are going to raise up (laughs) anyone who's a a Tyson Fury fan is going to start raising up Deontay Wilder because it's this huge name on his resume. So I think the, the you know, once Tyson Fury is done fighting Deontay Wilder, uh, people will be raising him and building him up. Regarding the face turn, heel turn, I I don't know. That, that was a little over my head, to be honest. I'll, I'll throw it back to Fred. It's uh, I past, mid, past midnight in my time zone at this time, which means yeah, it's... Uh, Tom's still in shell shock. 
almost time for a depression is setting back in <laughs> depression I, is setting I, I back in for tom. tom he's all shook up i came too hard at him one deontay wilder is popular no he is but not that's the Brown. difference between yeah that's definitely the difference like like deontay wilder in his fight with ortiz was over a four million dollar gate which is double both a Fury's fight so that's the weird thing when they're there. Everyone's trying to say, well, no, Deontay Wilder doesn't have any fans. <laughs> well, then who are you guys all trying to fucking pick fights with on Twitter? <laughs> if he doesn't have any fans. <laughs> no, he is popular. Uh, I think uh, as to the one, he doesn't have to fight a Provodnica. Because that's like the singularly probably the, the shittiest fight I ever watched. Where Timothy Bradley just letting himself. Yeah, that was the Sunday puncher fight of the decade. I know, I know, I know. It is the fight of the decade, and and the GIF is the best worth watching. But fucking Bradley essentially just let himself get beaten in the head for no fucking concussion reason. after concussion after concussion in that. You know, and he's a guy who outboxed fucking Devin Alexander when Alexander was like, "How to do his name." And then he's oh, just that's like, putting it very generously. That fight was terrible. Yeah, well, that fight was terrible too. <laughs> that fight was really bad. Yeah, it was. that's like one of those fights that is like you can't even rewatch that fight. Like, it, I mean, I Go would watch. challenge somebody watch Bradley Alexander. Like, Yours was great. There are Most more people headbutts and clinches now. than punches landed. Yeah, yeah. It, there, no one's in boxing now even watch that fucking fight. We're talking to. That's only a classic for us. Fucking old shit hits who actually watch these fights like again uh even when it comes to tyson fury i don't think a lot of people watch the fight with vlad without knowing the results i think most of the people that watch that fight already knew that uh, fury won you know because like even dan rafael was just shitting all over fury he's like there's no way this guy could beat fucking vlad well, I don't want to make Fury into a victim, but I think one of the things about his whole career, and I guess you could say the same thing about Wilder, is that these two guys have both been underestimated their entire careers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And like they didn't get the platform that Joshua got, which is why um, it's it, I, to me it's always been great that Wilder and Fury fought each other and froze AJ out is because in, in many ways they're similar. Um, they di- they didn't get the benefit of the doubt, you know. When when Fury fought Vladimir Klitschko, like everyone thought that Fury was a joke who just punched himself. And I mean, I remember people thinking that I was crazy for saying that Fury would beat him. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. and like Fury beats him, but still didn't get any credit. Like people just say like, oh, you know, it was a boring fight, so that meant that Tyson Fury wasn't a good <laughs> fighter or something. And it's like, good. Uh, okay. He didn't completely confuse one of the best heavyweights of all time. <laughs> I mean, that's another thing we could get into some other podcasts. No, no, but, but we could get into yeah, so, Klitschko so, was actually really like said, good. Everyone was all like hindsight, hindsight, hindsight. And if you really want to get into it, like Fury's his buildup in that Klitschko fight, uh, that's one of the best ever. Their face-offs. Their my my f- Fury was. Was so far into his fucking head, it was hilarious. My, I think my favorite thing from that is when they did the final face-off before the actual fight, and Fury just kept like blinking and like shaking his head and stuff. Like he looked like he was on drugs, 
But like, I remember watching that thing. Like, what is well, Fury was. doing? Well, <laughs> yes, he was. was. Yeah. But he, I, I never seen Test, a fighter actually tested positive. I never seen a fighter actually no, like no, just say he like tested positive before. Yeah. Well, no, no, hold on. Come on There's now. a couple. He tested positive before and after. I believe the the Nandrolone was before the fight, and then the cocaine was after. No, no. Okay. Here's what happened. He tested for Nandrolone in the fight that set him up to fight Klitschko. Right, so before the fight. Yeah, so he never should have fought Klitschko. But because the UCAT's a fucking disaster, he didn't test positive for uh, cocaine till uh, a year after. Or about it was in the rematch. No, 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 it was in the buildup. Right, I meant still in wasn't the... cleared. By you had to have the rematch. <laughs> well, he was in Eddie Tur- Eddie Hearn's uh, language cleared, uh, no, specifically no, no, no. cleared. <laughs> yeah, but he was with Frank Warren, so they were they were talking about. Frank don't know were, how to lie like that. They were ready. They actually just went forward, putting on that rematch, hoping, trying to pressure Ukad to clear Fury. <laughs> he wasn't cleared. They were just trying to push that fucking rematch through. And that's how fucked up British boxing is. No, I mean... That's why Dillian White is totally clear. This is why, like, if you if you actually go and, like, take a look at these things, like, the British board and stuff is, like, a pretty slim outfit. And, uh, and, yeah, and you can't because they also got to deal with the European privacy laws, so they will not actually publish any details. Like, you go to USADA... And you could see if someone went to arbitration, you'll see the full panel, the arguments from Musada's side, the argument for the defense, and the ruling of the arbitrator. You won't get that with UCAT except for very, very few people. But anyone that's like a British or European, they won't because they go, those are the uh, EU privacy laws. So they, they won't publish any information. That's why you can't find a single fucking thing about Dillian White's fucking case. You know? Well, because Eddie... Um, he ate the papers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's just hilarious. My dad, no. No, not a fear of that whole thing. It's great. I don't know. Like I said, it is, the whole thing is funny. But uh, as far as, no, I don't think Wilder doesn't need that Timothy Bradley turn because uh, he's popular. I, I'm just wondering if he gets himself over. Like, obviously, Wilder is a fighter uh, amongst a small group who they legitimately have fans who are just fans of him and not the actual sport. And I'm wondering if he yeah. wins over that other crowd who may not be the biggest fan of him. But I, something tells me that that's not the case. But in wrapping this up, yeah. I would like to give Tom the opportunity to, uh, you know, just just <laughs> say whatever you want, Tom. You, you, get your, you get your final time in the sun. You can say what you like. You can tell us how disappointed you are. Uh, anything you'd like. I think we've really covered it. I don't know if there was something you're queuing me up for that I'm sort of missing, but no, no um, we're not setting look, up for anything. You Tom. need to watch more ESPN shows, Tom. You, <laughs> a lot of shows end with like, okay, your the your award for this show is you just get two minutes to talk about whatever you want. Yeah, <laughs> it's sort of like the 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 Ratchelor Red on Twitch, you know, when he lets people end up oh god i have no idea what that is yeah but i got all my bullshit in you know i got to talk about ricardo mayorga and ricky hatton and costa zoo i mean look um in closing uh i think uh hopefully wilder will be back i think the big thing that really hasn't been discussed is if he has any kind of injuries coming out of the fight um there are a bunch of other good b-sides on the pvc side of the street um and you know we'll see what happens with this rematch you know 
on the extreme end of things, you know, you're talking about George Foreman fighting until he's in his 40s. I mean, and, you know, the last thing that goes is your power. So who knows? I say this as a big Deontay Wilder fan. I think a lot of people are really dejected after the fight. Um, you know, there's still there's still more to be said with uh, Wilder's career and with uh, the PBC heavyweights. Well, well said, Tom. I think for those of you who may feel dejected, whether it be with this fight or whoever your favorite guy is, you know, Mikey Garcia could lose this week, you know, and uh, Mikey Garcia is not as popular as Deontay Wilder, but Mikey Garcia has got fans and this happens. This is boxing. I mean, Mikey Garcia's already lost, but I mean, he hasn't been like brutally beaten. Um, actually I take that back. He was a little brutally beaten up, but, um, you know, this happens in boxing. And I think Fox got their first taste of, yeah, we had somebody that we were trying to build up and we love Deontay Wilder, but he lost. And this is the reality of boxing. And this is why boxing is a feast or famine sport. It's why boxing has these periods of massive boom and then it goes stagnant. And then you have times where the, the, the boom is only one specific fighter, you know, Floyd Mayweather. And then the rest of boxing is basically flatlined the rest of the year. And so... You know, I, I would um, I would assert that this is all going to blow over relatively quickly because we're going to get a lot of fight announcements and have a lot of things to talk about. We may be do- back at this podcast very soon um, with a specific announcement that is possibly coming this week. So, Tom, Fred, thanks for coming on. I hope you guys uh, enjoyed your Great time watching honest, the fight. Always. Oh, my God. I didn't even get an end point for Apple's. Talk. It just cut me out. Well, you you weren't crying about it. You took all the time at the beginning I know, to gloat. Like, like we could have given you your moment to gloat at the end, and you just decided to interrupt. You no, know, here's here's my point, and I think I said. Oh it boy, you Fred's like before... I'm just gonna take this time. Fred, save something for the Patreon feed. Come on, why are people? Why do people even have Patreon? They need to go to the no. chat to get your hot takes. Oh my god, <laughs> I give it free. You, you gotta you gotta give them a little taste there, Tom, to get them hooked. Before the main event last night, I said, you saw Tyson, Holyfield, and Lewis come out. Lennox Lewis is the only guy who ended his career on an up note. But everyone loves all three. You know, Does anyone remember that Mike Tyson, his, Tyson's his glory days fought were against Danny a bunch of guys who were horrible. He fought a 42-year-old Larry Holmes. You know, that's what this is what boxing, heavyweight boxing is about. People just in the end, just they like knockouts. They like big dudes punching. So when people get all you know, concerned about Deontay Wilder's legacy, it doesn't matter. You know, years from now, people are just going to play those clips of him taking dudes heads off. And they won't really care in the end. You know, if he loses the Tyson Fury what's the shame? You lost to one of the best fighters ever. You know, best fighter, especially of his generation, best boxer. You so know, there will be shame, you know? One of the most amazing things about um, Mike Tyson is that when he went to Denmark to fight Brian Nielsen, it, <laughs> yeah. it like astounds me that Nielsen was like 62 and one at the time. Like, how did they do this? Like, how did they navigate this guy to 62 wins like even today like uh, or sorry even if you're matched against like really weak opposition like damn 62 fights like at heavyweight and one loss that's pretty nuts 
Yeah, people want to complain about, well, Wilder didn't fight anyone in the top 10. Well, name me someone in the top 10. Pavetkin? Fucking Sora? Like, come on. Anyway, um, that's it for so us this saying, week. Heavyweight's great. Just enjoy it and and sort of sort of take the energy between the fun of the fight and try to put it towards every fight. Well, yeah. or just avoid social media. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. Or just shit on Tom. Good times. <laughs> Talk to you guys. Just now. just know that you got it better than Tom. <laughs> And then Tom looks at his bank account and then looks at yours and then he's yeah, like exactly. <laughs> I'm good.